0: That's our high school impact band and they're still in that room right over there. Will you guys let them hear you for thanks for leading us in worship? Great to see you. If I don't know you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here and it's um, awesome to be with you this weekend. Marie and I were out last weekend. We were down in Oklahoma with family. We were at a family wedding on a Friday night, outdoors, 101 degrees at tip off for the wedding. Um, Got better from there. Tuesday, it was 109. Woo, so um, we're glad to be home. It's good stuff. We had a great time with our family, though, and uh, thank you guys. Bill Kuhn was here last weekend. If you did not hear Bill's message last weekend, I would suggest you go back on website and listen to that. He did a fantastic job talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is what we're talking about for several weeks here this summer. We're talking about, we've titled this series Under Full Sail, and we're just picking up on this image that Jesus gave us of the Spirit of God being like wind that blows. We can't control it. We we don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's exactly going to, but we can trim our sails into the wind and let him blow us into the kind of life that that Jesus came to give us that God wants us to have. And so we're considering the, the work and the ministry of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. Talked about this our first weekend, and I just I keep going back to this idea from Francis Chan's book, Forgotten God. He, makes, he just makes a comparison. He said, you know, if I had an encounter with God, and, and God himself came to live inside of me to make me a better basketball player, then what you would expect of me is, is drastic improvement in things like dribbling and shooting and passing and jumping and defending, like all the stuff that goes into being a basketball player, and we know that God the Holy Spirit did not come and have we have an encounter with him and come to live inside of us to make us better basketball players. He came to give us the kind of life that Jesus wants us to have. And so we're kind of considering our own lives and what we're experiencing with what promises in the Bible are about how, how God wants us to live and the kind of life he wants us to have. And so we're gonna continue that conversation this weekend, and I wanna take you to a couple of verses in a book of the Bible called Galatians. It's in chapter five, verses 22 and 23, and it talks about what God the Holy Spirit is willing to do in your life, in my life, what he's willing to produce. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so I love these verses, and really it is a, um, it's a promise that, that God the Holy Spirit is willing to produce in your life and in my life this list of things. And I don't, like there's nine of them, and we don't have time to kind of break them all apart, but you you look at those words and you know what that kind of stuff is like, and you could you could think through just a little bit about what, what would your life be like if if you were characterized by love and by joy and by peace and just move down the list by gentleness, kindness, self-control. What, what would life be like for you? What could it be like in, in your family? If if this is the way the people in your family lived and related to each other, I mean, what would what would that be like for us if, if God the Holy Spirit were producing this kind of fruit in our lives? So what you have to know at the beginning of our time together is, is this is not something you couldn't do yourself. If this were something that you could do yourself, all of us would be living with this kind of stuff in our lives all the time. Because when you just think about what my life would be like and what my relationships would be like, if, if this was the character of them, like we would be doing this. But this is, this is not something that you and I can do on our own. This is, it's the image, I love it's the fruit that God the Holy Spirit produces in your life and so you can't produce this on your own, but what you can do is you can reap the fruit that he produces, and so that's really what we wanna talk about together this weekend is how, how we could reap the fruit that God the Holy Spirit is willing to produce in, in your life and in my life. And so to get us to that, I gotta walk us through some, some stuff, and it's gonna take a little bit to get there, but, but you, guys are, you guys are smart, you're gonna go with me. It's gonna, we're gonna move fast through some stuff, but I, just, I wanna talk to you about, about your salvation and how that came about and then about your Christian life. I just wanna kinda of compare those two things for us about how we live out our Christian life. And I think we'll learn some things in this, and some of it might be review for some of you guys, but at the end of it, I think there's, there's a challenge for all of us at the end of it, so I'm really excited to get you through this. Okay, so let's start talking about our salvation as we think about reaping the fruit of the Spirit. So our salvation, where this, this whole thing starts, is with God's standard. and God's standard is perfection. To st- that, like, that's the requirement for humankind to be in relationship with God, is, is to measure up to who he is and how he exists. And so, so his standard is perfection. And just in saying that, what you and I instinctively know about ourselves is we fall short. And the scripture is very clear with us about that. Romans chapter 3. Verse 23, there's this, Really, it's just true. We've all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, of, of who he is, of how he exists, of the perfection that he exudes, his glory. We fall short of that, and because we've fallen short of that, then, then there's this gap, in, like we've, we've walked away from him, gap in our relationship. We've, so we have this, like his standard remains perfection, and you and I can't measure up. So, so his standard is perfection, so what's my ability in all this? As I fall short, what's my ability in all this? My ability spiritually in my salvation is I am powerless. I'm powerless, there's nothing I can do to accomplish my own salvation. In Ephesians chapter two, we read, this, this is spiritually speaking, and I, this is a this is something to hold on to. This is something to know about yourself. Before you meet Jesus, as for you, you were spiritually dead in your transgressions and sins. So it doesn't get it doesn't get any more helpless than that. When it comes to anything spiritual, I have no ability. I, I don't bring anything to the table. I'm, I'm dead in my transgressions and sins and we're talking about spiritual life and since, and since God's standard is perfection and I can't meet that, I am totally unable to even begin to measure up to that. What God has done is God has made provision for, for people like you and me. He's made provision for us and his provision for us is Jesus, it's Jesus. You and I cannot measure up. So in Romans chapter five, verse eight, the Bible says God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. that, that That is the gold standard of love. That is how you and I know that God loves us. It's not the circumstances in our lives. It's not whether things are going the way that we want to. It's not whether it all feels right. The way you and I know that God loves us is that he gave Jesus who died for us. You and I were dead in our transgressions and sins. We have, we have no way to achieve God's standard of glory, of perfection. Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, measures up. He completely and fully measures up, and he came and he lived on this earth as a human being. He achieved what you and I cannot. He lived the kind of life that God requires, and then he died on a cross. And, and all this, you and I, at this point, like we're still, we've got our hand towards God, we're dead in our transgressions and sin, we're falling short of his glory, and while we're in this posture towards God, Jesus died on the cross for us. And, and so God's provision for us is, is Jesus. We can't measure up, he measured up, and he allows us to live in, in, his, in his perfection, and so what you and I bring to the table then, my response to all this is faith. It's the yes, it's the okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop living the way that I've been living as far as like, we all have a plan, right? We all have a plan of how we're gonna get to heaven when we die or what we're gonna do for the afterlife. However you wanna phrase that, we all have a plan. And, and we work that plan to some degree in our lives and, and there comes a point when you are face to face with this reality that, that God has a standard that is perfection and I am not measuring up. And I'm unable to measure up. And in, in the depths of that, this bright shining light of God's love in Jesus penetrates and, and we see the light and it's like, yes, yeah, I'm, that, that other strategy I had, and I don't know what yours has been for me, I was, I was good, I was trying to be good, trying to obey all the rules. So whatever the strategy is, you abandon the strategy, so like, I can't measure up, so I'm, I'm gonna receive, say yes to what God is giving me in Jesus. And when, when we say that yes, when there's that faith response, we are given spiritual life. People who are dead in their trespasses and sins, as we just read a few minutes ago, People like us are given this spiritual life and it's this beautiful moment and we're rescued from spiritual death, from eternal spiritual death. We're rescued, we're saved by God, by faith. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. It's by grace that you have been saved through faith. This isn't from yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And what you and I, what you and I bring to the table in our salvation, the only thing you and I have to bring to the table in our salvation is our sin. <laughs> we get to bring dead and our trespasses and sin to the table, and we don't even bring faith to the table. Faith is a gift that God gives us. I'm like, he even gives us faith, and all we do is we exercise this faith. And so here we are as as people who are saying yes to this salvation that is given to us by God, it's a faith response. And so, so we're we are yes people to this salvation that God offers us. And so for many of us who are participating in services this weekend, like we're, we're a yes to Jesus as our savior to this salvation that God has offered to us And so we've got this Christian life, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. There's this beautiful verse in Titus chapter three, verses four and five, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done. We don't bring anything to the table, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So God, the Holy Spirit, is so integrally involved in in your salvation, in God's rescue of you from the eternal consequences of your sin. He's so integrally involved in that initial giving of spiritual life to you and to me, and he continues and remains involved in the gift that God gives us. One of the gifts that God gives to us in our salvation is the Holy Spirit himself, God the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us. And so if this is that divine encounter that Francis Chan talks about in his book and that I mentioned at the beginning. This is that divine encounter, when I have this divine encounter with God and then he comes to live inside of me for a particular purpose, what I expect then is, is that that What he's doing in my life is gonna be far above and far beyond anything that I could do on my own. And so over these last several weeks, if you've been with us and you've been participating, we've really been kind of laying beside by side these things that God promises to us and says should be true versus what our experience and what our reality is. and. I don't know how it's going for you, I know how it's going for me. We put that list on the screen there this fruit that God the Holy Spirit's producing in our lives, love and joy and peace and forbearance is the word but it means patience. God's kind of love, God's kind of patience, God's kind of kindness and gent- like that whole list of things and what's my experience like? And and for me there's there's a gap there between what could and should be true in my life and what I'm experiencing. And so really the question is, how do we receive what God wants to give to us? And so, so I wanna kinda compare, like, we talked about how our salvation gets moving, how we receive that, how that comes to us from God. Let's lay that beside, I'm just calling it our Christian life. Because Jesus made this incredible promise that, when, that the life that he wants us to have, the kind of life he wants to give us, He called it abundant, like overflowing. This this spiritual life that is just over and above and beyond what you and I could think, ask, or imagine. It's, It's like this life that overflows with love, joy, peace, those kinds of things that we just talked about on that list. And so we think about our salvation and then our Christian life and just we'll run through the same thing. So God's standard. God's standard remains perfection. I don't know if you've thought about that before. As a Christian person, God's standard for us remains perfection. So there's this bumper sticker. I haven't seen it in a while, but you see a lot of, a few years ago, bumper sticker said Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. So 100% true, right? None of us are perfect, we're forgiven people. And one of the things that happens with with people who are forgiven and are being forgiven is we, we kind of forget the standard hasn't moved. We've, we've all sinned and we all still fall short of the glory of God. God's standard for us, it hasn't changed. His standard's still perfection. I just I just kind of pulled three little sections of Bible verses for you just to, they're written to Christian people just to remind us of this. The first one, It's from John 13, verse 34, Jesus says this. This is right before he goes to the cross. He's looking at his first followers and he says, as I have loved you, Jesus, as I have loved you, perfectly, completely, to the fullest extent, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's God's standard remains perfection. It hasn't moved. So as he loved us, we're supposed to love one another. Philippians chapter 4, verse six, looking at Christian people, says don't be anxious about anything. So that's very comprehensive, speaking to us as people who, we're really good at worrying about stuff, and we're really good about being anxious about things, And, and yet we've been given this command that we're not to be anxious about anything, and then, 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 15 just as he who called you is holy and that's talking about God himself so just as God is holy he's set apart he is he is other he is perfection so so just as he is holy so be holy in all you do so so the standard hasn't moved right so God so as as people who are living out our Christian lives, God's standard, remains perfection. So, so the next thing, my ability. So, so what, I, what do I bring to the table in this? I remain powerless. As, as a Christian person, I am still powerless to measure up to God's standard, to live out obedience to the things that, that he calls and commands us to. Daryl, of himself, is fully unable to love one another the way Jesus loved me, to not be anxious about anything, to, like, I I can't do that. I'm I'm powerless to do that. I, I love, in Romans chapter seven, towards the end of Romans chapter seven, the apostle Paul is writing about his Christian experience. And, and why, the reason I love this is because like the Apostle Paul, I mean, if we're if we're ever gonna put a Christian person on a pedestal and we're not gonna, but if we're ever gonna do it, like he's one of the guys that would go on the pedestal. Because he lived this stuff like for real, with a price tag in ways that most of us just like we haven't, can't, won't. And and so The Apostle Paul writes this about his Christian experience, and i just grabbed some phrases from about nine or 10 verses there in Romans chapter seven. He says about himself, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. So something inside of him, God the Holy Spirit, has given him a desire to live in obedience to these things like Love one another as Jesus has loved us, about don't be anxious about anything, like there's this desire to live that out, to say yes to these things, and there's no ability. So, so the, stuff, the stuff that I don't wanna do, that's the stuff that I do, for I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out, he says. And although I wanna do good, evil is right there with me. And he, he wraps all this up What a wretched man I am. Right in the the middle of his sacrificial, gospel-proclaiming, missionary journey, ministry, he looks at his own life and says, there's this beautiful thing that God has done for me and called me to, and I wanna say yes to this, and I can't. I see see that that it is beautiful and good and I am still unable to say yes to this. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And if you read like the next verses, God still comes to our rescue. So my, so my ability, my ability, I am powerless, and God continues to be our rescuer. Like he, he, doesn't, like he doesn't stop being your savior your rescuer. It's not like this one moment transaction where okay, now I'm I've been saved and and now it's on me. I got to go on down the road. So so what God has done is he's made provision for you and me cuz like what a wretched person I am when you really see it and start to who's going to rescue me from this? Well, God has made provision for us in in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so so we have been given the gift of his spirit to live out our lives to, to live in, to live up to God's standard. He's made provision for us to be able to do that through the work of his spirit. And this is, this is the part where, where many of us as Christian people get off track. See, if, if you've received the salvation that comes to us from Jesus, and you start to take some of these things seriously, stuff like love each other as Jesus loved us and don't be anxious about anything and be holy like God is holy, like if you start to try to sort through that stuff and take some of that stuff seriously in your life, we, we realize we're falling short and, and so what we end up doing is trying harder, right? So I'm, I'm falling short so now I'm gonna try harder and in that trying harder what we often do is we create a list of rules for ourselves. Okay, so if, if I'm supposed to, to love people just like Jesus loved me, then here's my 14 rules. And you might make them up for yourself or you might listen to somebody else who's got a list of rules and they'll say to you, hey, you, you need to follow these rules. This what being a good Christian is, is here's the rules that you gotta follow. And we, and we find ourselves in this, this rule follower mode. And the problem with that is that rules don't produce anything like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The rules don't produce anything like that in our lives. They take us, they take us the opposite direction. And so, and so we don't, our natural tendency to make a bunch of rules for ourselves or for the people that we're responsible for, thinking that somehow that this is gonna lead us into the kind of life that we wanna have, like, we're mistaken in that. So we read in Romans chapter eight, verse four, the righteous requirements of the law might be met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. So that that beauty and goodness that we look at and say yes, that's how I want my life to be. Let's just understand righteous requirements of the law to be the beauty and goodness that comes from God that, that we, would like to, we would like our lives to experience. The righteous requirement of the law, are, it's not met by living according to ourselves, our flesh, our, like, my effort, my strength, my rules, figuring it out myself, but people who live according to the spirit. People who trim their sail to the wind that God the Holy Spirit is blowing through their lives this is God's provision for, for you and for me to to be able to have the kind of life that he wants to give to us is, is the gift of His spirit. and so so my response then, because I still have I still have my inability, God's provision, so my response remains faith. It, it's, it's not a it's not a new response it's It's the same response, it's the yes. It's the yes of the work of God the Holy Spirit blowing in and through my life. And and so, so what is true for you and for me in our salvation is also true for us in our Christian life. We don't bring anything to the table other than our inability. First sermon Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, it's it's the one. If you wanna know kind of the core of Jesus' message, the first words out of his mouth, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a blessing, a spiritual blessing for people who recognize they do not have what it takes. That's what poverty of spirit is. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They're the people who realize that, oh, I, I don't have it, I don't have it. And if if I recognize that I don't have it, then I know that somebody, like I'm gonna have to receive it. And so there's this spiritual blessing for people who turn to the gift of God in the person of God, the Holy Spirit, and say yes, <laughs> yes to, to his work, to receiving what he wants to give to us, and so so there's this verse in Galatians chapter three, verse five, and it's written to people who want to to bring their own effort, their own rules, they they wanna figure it out themselves. So again, I ask, because this question's been asked a number of times in this little letter to church at Galatia and to us, so again I ask, Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law, by you guys making up a bunch of rules and following the rules that you think are gonna lead you to this beauty and goodness that that God, is that how it happens? And we know the, the answer to that is no. Does it happen by works of the law or by your believing what you heard? And it's a rhetorical question. If you read around it, there's, there's no way to conclude that that yeah if i if i could just figure out the right rules or just obey them good enough it's it's by believing what you've heard it's faith it's this yes response to god's provision for us and and it's that faith response that gets us to the place where we can now talk about reaping this Fruit that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to produce in your life. Because the image we've used the last couple of weeks, and it's a good image. Our natural tendency is like it's the rowing, right? We're talking about a sailboat versus a rowboat. Our natural tendency is to row. When life gets a little wonky, when things aren't like we want them, when stuff like we just want to dip our oars in the water and start rowing and see if we can fix this thing, make it as good as. And what. What we have the opportunity to receive as a gift from God is just a great big yes to the work that he wants to accomplish in our lives. And so you have a chance not to, you can't produce fruit, you can't bear fruit, you can stop growing. How do you reap the fruit of the spirit in your life? So I got four things for you. It'll kind of wrap up our time together today. I'm gonna give you these four things that I think will help us figure out how to reap the fruit of God the Spirit in our lives. So start there, that first bullet point. Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Those three statements all wrap around, a couple of them are before and one of them's after. Fellow verse we started with, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against those things, there's no law. That's, those, those, three, those three commands all wrap around, like if you want the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if you want him to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, and if you, if you look at those and want scratch your head about what this means, let's just, let's, let's think in terms of, of motivation. Like what, what motivates me in my life and of, of ability, where does my ability come from, and guidance, like who am I following in, in my life? These are, these are the kinds of things that, that you and I are, were offered by God the Holy Spirit, is, is motivation for, for how you're gonna live. There's, there's a piece of you that wants to walk all the way back to that dead in your transgressions, like, there's a, there's a part of you that wants that. We all know that. We, we bend that way naturally, and, and God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and says, no, here's the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. And so, so walk by the Spirit, there's, there's guidance there, there's, there's power, there's ability, there's motivation for people like you and me, and as we do that, God the Holy Spirit will produce his fruit in his life. So know this, this is the second bullet point. Know that the Spirit of God lives in you. I, th- I don't know if we always remember that. But the Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, all of who He is, lives inside of you. He has come to take up residence in your life so that you can experience abundance, the kind of abundance that only God can give. So know that the Spirit of God lives in you and he is doing his work to the fullest extent that you will allow him. He's doing his work to the fullest extent that you'll allow him. Don't miss that last section of that. Not, he's not, like he's not looking at you saying, hey, you gotta bear some fruit. He's working in your life to the fullest extent that you let him. So, so this love, this joy, this peace, this pain, he is producing in your life as much of that as you'll say yes to. As, as much room as you'll give him to do his work in your life, he's doing that much work. So know that, know that he lives inside of you and know that he is producing, like he is doing his work in your life to the fullest extent that you allow him to do it. So what that means for people like you and me is we, we need to grow in our ability to see and to hear and to understand what he's up to. To grow in our, because if he's doing, if he's doing as much work in my life as I'll let him do, then I need to be able to, to see and hear and understand what he's up to in my life so that I can make more room for him to be able to do his thing in my life. And so, so this, is, this is relationship stuff. This is, this, is where, this is where there's a strong temptation to say, all right, so let me give you four rules to follow, right? But you follow the rules, you don't, you're bringing it to the table. So I can't can't give you four rules to follow so that God the Holy Spirit does his work in your life. He's a person who lives inside of you and and you have a relationship with him and he is doing as much work in your life as you'll let him and so for you to grow in your ability to see and hear and understand what he's up to, then then that means like, ask him. (laughs) Ask him, ask him what he's up to in your life. And you can ask him, That's a a piece of prayer. You can ask him, you ask him in prayer what he's up to in your life. You can ask him as you read your Bible what he's, where he's, what he wants to show you, what he wants to say to you, what he'd like to teach you. Ask him and listen. That's that's a huge piece of relationship is listen to, to what he's saying in those moments and it's gonna take a little bit for you to be able to discern and hear his voice, but if you ask him what he says and what he wants you to see and hear and know, like, he will tell you. And then, as you begin to to see and hear and understand a little bit, it's okay to ask him what he wants you to know and understand from what he's what he's saying and what he's letting you see. I mean, just you're in relationship, and so to grow in your ability to see and to hear and to understand. And there's this prophet Isaiah talks about. Have an eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand so that we can turn to God and receive the gifts, the healing that he wants to bring into our lives. And so to, to ask the spirit of God, what do, you, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to understand? Because I want to give you as much room as you'll take to, to give me the kind of life that Jesus came to give me and, and to grow in your willingness to receive what he wants to give you and to cooperate with him. Because the stuff that he'll show you and the stuff that he'll say and the things he wants you to, to understand, some of that, it's gonna cut against the way you've been living your life. Because if you, if you want God's kind of, if you want God's kind of love and joy and peace and goodness in your life, it's not going to happen by continuing to do things the way that we're doing them today. So if if we're going to give God the Holy Spirit more room in our lives then then we're going to have to be ready to to receive what he wants to give to us and to cooperate with him. To cooperate with him in the work that he wants to do. And so again this is relationship stuff. This is this is making room and participating with and saying yes to in faith, receiving what God the Holy Spirit wants to give to you. And so, if, if you're if you're looking for God's kind of love, I don't know what that's going to look like for you. Um, I know for me, years ago, I had a hobby that took a ton of time, and love and that hobby couldn't go like God's kind of love and that hobby couldn't go together. So the hobby has to go. Joy and peace, for me. Joy and peace and social media don't go together. So, so I'm out on social media. It's weird in today's world to, to not be on social media. It's, so you see that there's this, like there's some things that will change in our lives, but but there's beauty and there's goodness that you and I can have, and the Holy Spirit kind of waits for us to turn loose the stuff that we've got a hold of so he can fill our hands with this beauty and goodness that is His fruit. So I want to wrap all this up. I want to pray for us, the prayer that we've been praying at the end of our times together, and if you're willing, like just this, this posture, this physical posture to turn your hands over, as, as your willingness to release the stuff that you're holding on to, and to receive what God the Holy Spirit would, would show you, say to you, help you understand in these moments. Will you bow with me for prayer? Generous God, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that we may be strengthened to serve you better. We thank you for the wisdom of your Holy Spirit We ask you to make us wise to understand your will. We thank you for the peace of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to keep us confident of your love wherever you call us. We thank you for the healing of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to bring reconciliation and wholeness where there is division, sickness, and sorrow. Thank you for the gifts of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to equip us for the work which you have given us. Thank you for the fruit of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to reveal in our lives the love of Jesus. We thank you for the breath of your Holy Spirit given by the risen Lord. We ask you to keep the whole church living and departed in the joy of eternal life. Generous God, as you sent your Holy Spirit upon your Messiah at the River Jordan and upon the disciples in the upper room, in your mercy, fill us with your Spirit and we pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Thank you guys for being here this weekend. It's great joy to be with you. Next week we'll be talking about the gifts of God the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be a great weekend, so I hope you'll join us. I love you guys, I'll see you next week.